take two. This is what happens when you do these things. A technology, we rely on technology, but then it lets us down. So I'm with Hector Salgado, who's a great friend of mine, and he's in the UK at the moment. So for the first time, we're doing this on Zoom. Good afternoon to you, Hec. Hey, Michelle. Lovely to be here. Good afternoon to you. How's it going? You're in Red Hill in Surrey, are you? I am, yes. In, uh, in, today, I can say it was sunny Red Hill. It was very, very pleasant this morning. So that's right. Red Hill is south of London, about 15 minutes away from Gatwick Airport. Great. Well, it's, England is great at this time of, well, when the sun is out, England is great. You, you probably think you're a bit jealous because I live in the sun and it's nice and warm down here and all the rest. I bet you're thinking that. Actually, the I weather's, actually, yes. you see, the weather's pants today. <laughs> it's horrible. It's cold and it's, not, and it's damp and it's not nice. So I think I'd rather be in Red Hill in Surrey with you. <laughs> fair enough, Michelle, fair enough. So there's many reasons why I wanted you to be part of this uh, Extraordinary Ordinary People, which is what this is called, this podcast is called, because I think you are quite extraordinary in many ways. But I want to start at the very beginning because I want to know about your your upbringing. When you were little, what was it like? Where did you live? So tell us about that. Okay, so um, my dad is from Quito in Ecuador and my mum is from uh, Essex in England. Essex, what a mixture. An interesting mixture. My dad came over in 1964 to Spain because yeah. he was going to study medicine. And yeah. my mum was doing uh, French and Spanish at Nottingham University. And she was over in Seville doing that sort of year exchange. <clears throat> um, the reason my dad ended up in Seville was because when he asked a taxi driver in Madrid uh, <laughs> where he might want to study or what, was, what would be a good city to live in, it would seem that the taxi driver was from Seville. And he recommended to my dad that Seville had the weather, had the food, had the people. And, of course, in those days, no Google, no knowledge, no nothing. My dad literally got a, got a bus, got himself down to Seville, and he's been living in Seville ever since. He's been over there for 50-odd years. So he arrived in Madrid. He got into a taxi. Where was he going in Madrid? Did he have like a... I've asked that before. And apparently he did. Ha in those days, I mean, my dad, my dad would have been probably 2021, 20, arriving from, imagine, Ecuador back in the 60s, obviously developing yeah. country. And yeah. he arrived in Madrid probably, I don't think he knew many people. And it seemed... Uh, the right thing to do just to ask someone and then right Seville sounds good Let's well I tell you what, the taxi driver was probably right because Seville is an amazing city and it is an amazing city and my dad's lived there for 50 odd years quite successfully and enjoyed it and I'm here because my mum and dad met in Seville that's amazing suppose, yeah that's a long that's short cool cool so you grew up you grew up in Seville for a while I did yeah I did so uh, again, grew up bilingually because, obviously speaking, mum spoke to us in English as children, um, yeah. lived, uh, lived in Seville. And then it, as a teenager, um, I came over to England to do A-levels. Uh, lived with my, my granny, which was good fun in Essex. Yeah. And then... Where did you study? Where, what uni did you go to? Yes, I went to Middlesex. At those days, it was called Middlesex Polytechnic, mm -hmm. then later rebranded to Middlesex uh, University. And I read uh, mechanical engineering. That was something that fascinated me. Did it and, really? Uh, a, bit, a bit hard, no? Mechanical it was a bit tough, yeah. yeah. I, can't say, I, I can't say I was one of these people that just about got enough to get through. Yeah. So I managed to get my degree with a humble third class. So, okay. um, so yeah. Well, just still a degree? To, it, absolutely, enough to get me on the, next, uh, on the next stage in life. And then I would go and join British Gas as a, as a young graduate. A British Gas would then rebranded itself to uh, 
to Transco, to National Grid, all the different names. Um, and yes, I worked as, a, as an engineer for them for about 14, 14 years. Wow, that's amazing. So I just want to interrupt you there because our connection was while you were studying in a Middlesex university, you were going out with a girl called Julia. That's right. And Julia was very good friends with my best friend, Alex. Alex went to study in Sheffield, which I absolutely loved. And me, Alex had all these international friends and it was, it opened up a, a whole new world to me. And we've kept up our friendship from those days. That, that's right. So, so um, when, when uh, at the time it was a transco, I worked in a control room and they decided to move to the Midlands. And it seemed a good time to me to maybe go to Seville and live yeah. a life, the weather, the... And let's be honest, what could go wrong going to Seville, <laughs> early 2000s, three children and a wife, wow. just before the financial crisis, what and, on earth could go and no, wrong? And no job. Well, that's a funny one. Um, I got myself a job there, um, yeah. which on paper seemed reasonable. But like all things in Spain, it's all rough and ready, at least, at least where I li lived in Seville. And what happened, I was there for six months and then got sacked after six months, finding myself no job, no nothing. It was a bit of a nightmare. I had to find myself another Oof. job, which fortunately I did. Uh, but to be honest, a whole nine years in Seville was very much, I don't think I ever worked for a company for more than two years. It, it was project-based. Was that quite normal? I mean, was for for Spain, yes. for... If, in engineering, you either went into a big consultancy or an engineering firm that you were more or less permanently employed, but... In my case, it was a contract. I did it. And then I was looking for the next thing, which was inconvenient, to put it mildly. Yeah. And then in, 20, in 2013, I went over to the States where I worked building a bioethanol plant. That was really interesting. I really enjoyed it out there. Uh, yeah. It was hard and we were mainly just working primarily. But mm. then out of that, I had the opportunity to uh, work for the actual um, main, if you want, parent company. They were based out in Missouri in a place in a town called uh, Chesterfield. That was the Midwest. Missouri is very much a Midwest, the, the gateway okay. to the Midwest. So that, that was good. I enjoyed it. Um, we, um, I then, obviously, when I'd been there for a few months, it made sense to bring the whole family over. So in January 2015, my two sons, my daughter and my wife all, all moved came. over. That's right. So again, we were on a five-year visa the American dream, a good salary, good location. Again, what could go wrong? Yes. <laughs> so, we, yeah. so within about seven or eight months of being there, it looked like the company was struggling. People have fiddled the numbers. I work for this big concern called Abengoa in southern Spain. If you look them up, they've had all sort of financial issues and stuff. So after a sort of September 20, 2015, things were looking a little bit, uh, unstable. Yes. And in December 2015, I was told in no uncertain terms that my time was up. It was time. No. So we found ourselves in wow. Months in. Wow. Uh, Not even a year. <gasps> well, this was, but okay. So you've got, wow, you've got heck. Thanksgiving, which is the last Thursday in November. In November. Mm -hmm. So straight after Thanksgiving, I was told two days after Thanksgiving, I was told that that was it. My time was up. And uh, I would be going back to Spain. I yeah. didn't even know if I'd have a job in Spain. All I knew is I had to leave. I wouldn't be coming back. 
And this was the first few days in December. So, so you couldn't I, you couldn't stay in America somewhere else, get another I job somewhere else. I couldn't stay in America else. because my visa was it was um, my visa was tied into the company I was with. Okay, so I, I would have to go back. So yeah. we we had this horrendous conundrum as to what to do. So a lot of soul searching, thinking about it. Would we go back to Spain? Would we stay there? I tried to see if I could stay in the states and uh, look at connections and but. You can imagine trying to organize your life three weeks before Christmas. Yes. It and was virtually so. The long and short of this was very, very, I mean, I would go back to Spain. Who yeah. would stay in the States with the children so they could finish school? Mm. We then had to look at how to organize a visa for Julia. Kind of very long story short, what we did, we managed to get enrolled Julia in college Okay. Yeah. That was a yeah. funny little story, which I'll tell you very briefly. <laughs> but the, the, the what, story, like in college to teach or to learn? To learn as a student because she could then apply for a student visa, have the whole children under her visa. And while uh, the whole thing got organized, the oh fact that you'd applied God. for it meant that she could stay in the States. So the, I've got a little Gee. story for you here, right? So we had to find out the whole process, which is so convoluted. I'm not even going to go through it. But the funny story here is we managed to find a college which on the on the outskirts of uh, of St. Louis, Missouri, yeah. basically half an hour from where we lived, okay? Mm-hmm. And we needed to go and speak to someone at the college to see if Julia could enroll. Okay. Okay, so this is a true story. <laughs> this chap, doctor, I can't remember, it was a doctor, I can't it may come to me in a minute. A very, a very serious looking fellow. We mm-hmm. met in the morning. There's, there, there we are, two people in their late 40s trying to organise this. And there was no point about beating about the bush. Yeah. So we went to see this, this chap and, and he, first of all, asked, well, why, why do you need to change your visa? You can study with what you have. And we decided mm. to come clean. And we thought, well, the, the guy can look at us and think, my word, I've got a couple of pirates here. I've got a couple of illegal immigrants here. But But the guy was totally, (laughs) totally decent, okay? And he said, okay, let's see what I can do for you. So he pulled out this form. This form was a whole A4 with loads of requirements, one of which was level of English, level of education. Luckily, my wife covered the fact that she's bilingual. She studied in England. Her English is perfect, blah, blah, blah. She also, uh, she was a, a graduate at the time. She ticked all the boxes. Ticked all the boxes. This guy was absolutely wonderful. And essentially, within that morning, we had realized we were able to stay in, the, or she could stay in the US. She was able she was able to do this course at the community college. And yeah. we couldn't believe we resolved that. How lucky. Oof. Because this guy was willing and keen to help us out. So are you still in touch with this guy? Funny you should say that. I that's a, maybe, maybe, yes, you need to find him, heck. Well, you need to a, track him down. That's a valid point. We thanked him profusely. Julia yeah. then went on to college and she studied some lovely subjects in about four or five months. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Got top bit. My wife, unlike myself, studied in England, got a 2 1 in a language that wasn't her own because that's how she is. Very, very methodical. She got straight A's doing this, this course in the States. I then went back to, going back to myself, I went back to Seville. Mm. I, with, with, I lived in my, at my friend Ramon's house out of two suitcases in the spare room while I was trying to sort my life out, okay? Honestly. I then decided we weren't going to stay in Spain because it was just too, um, 
there was too much uncertainty. And yeah. uh, so I was going to go back to England. So then yeah, I looked yeah. for, for, for a job in the utility, again, in the company I previously worked for, now doing, called... Doing the same kind of thing. Correct. Again, utility, now yeah. called SGN. So I looked for vacancies. I found some vacancies. I applied. I got a job. And in April, I moved and, and went and started working as, as an engineer in this company. In what country? In England. So from the States. You went from the States I to moved Spain. Back to England. Well, I piggybacked off Spain while I was, yeah. while I was so a, a, slight, a, slight, a slight comment here. So the company I was working for, Abengoa, were, were good enough, I guess, to give me a couple of months employment. In yeah. those two months I had, I was employed in Seville, yeah. in Ramon's spare room. <laughs> okay. I was able to apply for a job in England. Yes. I then went to England, which I started literally from me being from one company to the next. It was literally a month in between. Went Did to you England, have, got a job, started yeah. working in the control room, which is what I'd done for about seven or eight years before. So I was qualified to do that. Obviously yeah. got the interview. And then went back to the States to pick up the family. We all moved over to England in, in 2016 and we've been in England for five years. So the bit I think is relevant yeah. is the word resilience. Yeah. But what you pick up over my last, if you want, the age of my daughter, 16, okay? Yes. Had so many changes, so many challenges that that has really made me who I am. So when I coach and when I teach, people think, oh, you've had it easy. And this is a little bit of my background that oh, gives me, yeah. the, 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 if you want, the depth and the width to be able to do what I do nowadays. I, I understand. It relevant, relevant, you see, relevant so fact. I didn't know that. I've t I've tapped in, in and out of your life at different stages of your life. So I tapped in when you lived in Seville. You used to come over to Jib for the day and we'd have lunch together with our families. Fish and, and chips. Yep. Fish and chips. Or we'd go, yeah, different places. And then and then you move, all this happened to you. I remember, um, and you, I remember speaking to you when you'd lost your job. You were like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And you were always positive heck That's right. even through all this upheaval in your life and this is one of the things that have, has always stayed with me and then the next thing I see that you're a fitness coach and that you've got this fantastic business called fitness TMB hi it's Hexal Garda from fitness TMB we work with men and women over 40 to get fit lose fat get energized and develop a powerful mindset you can accomplish this by implementing significant changes in your habits and routines, such as optimizing nutrition and mastering your sleep. I have created for the over 40s the RRE method, recondition, recharge and energize. It's a 13-week program that will enable you to find gratification in your fitness journey, as well as positively shifting your mindset and well-being. You can get in touch at heck at fitnesstmb.com or visit fitnesstmb.com. So yeah, we're talking to Heck. Uh, we've heard all about his his um, well, how he got to uh, start Fitness TMB and his incredible journey from America, from from Spain to England to America back to England. And I want to know why and how he started at the age of like 40 something nearly 50 he decided to set up a business that's right, now you're doing that's this right. Incredible. It, I, I really wanted something so you see i think you probably gathered 
that when you're working for someone and when you're always dependent on a company, you're always dependent on someone else. And there was always this, I think a lot of us um, would like to have a business, but maybe don't know what that business is in, okay? Yeah. So I was now in my early 50s and I really, I think it was that unease and I think it was that keenness to do something, what you often refer to as a side hustle. So I looked at okay. different options and one thing that really, really sort of, uh, if one came out of me was my fitness and that yeah. was something that I've always had and it's something I've been passionate about. So I'll give you a little bit of background on that. So um, I started lifting weights when I was a teenager at the age of 15 and I'm okay. now 55 and I still lift weights, okay? I train, I go down the gym three times a week, I run and so forth. So fitness has been a big part of my life. So that seem to make sense. Do you think, let me just interrupt you, do you think fitness has got you through a lot of your down moments in life when all these things happen to you? Well, that, that is something I've had time to ponder and think about. Um, and I'll give you a good, I'll answer that with giving you a little bit of a, a little bit of a story. In 2012, when I was unemployed for about <coughs> six or seven months, um, I knew that I would have to be ready for when the opportunity came my way, I would have to be ready to roll. So um, in, in the summer of 2011, I had issues on site. I was sacked, and that's how it goes, okay, yeah. back in September. Yeah. And I thought, oh, it's only going to be a few months. So 2011 went by, and I was into 2012. It's only a few months. It was fine. But then the month started ticking by, and I was still unemployed, and things got quite hairy. Mm -hmm. However, I knew that I, I would have to be physically and mentally fit and healthy for whatever came my way. Let me give you some context. So in 2012, I run my first yeah. marathon, okay, at the okay. age of 45. So I started running. <laughs> really? Quite, quite late in life? Quite late, yeah. I started running at 43. And a name that has come up before, Ramon again, he will come out more than once in this, in this, in this interview, I can assure you. Very one of my best friends, okay? Now, he said to me once, in, it would have been... Um, a couple of years before, do you want to go for a run? And it was a summer. I was 43. It was a summer in Seville. And I thought, this is strange. I've never done any running. So I said, okay, okay, let's have a go. So we started running. So then roll on 17, 18 months later, I was doing mm. my first marathon at the age of 45, which I competed in just over four hours, which is half decent. Okay, reasonable amount. So that yeah. was a running that had really sort of bit me and I started doing that. So we go back to, so this was 2012. Also that year, I did my first triathlon in, in, in Seville. A small triathlon, but it was the first time I'd done one again. So when the job came up in, 20, in the same year, in July, yeah. I was ready to rock and roll. Jump yeah. on the, I jumped on that train. I went up to Les Borges in, uh, in Lerida, or Lleida, as they, are they, as they pronounce it too. And I, I worked up there for six months. So to answer your question, fitness, being fit, being mentally strong and being physically strong has enabled me to have all sorts of different jobs and be ready for whenever the opportunity arose. So tell me about fitness TMB. Okay. So how, when did you, when did you actually start it? So first of all, I decided I was going to be a, I was going to be a, a fitness coach. I was going to be, if you want a personal trainer. So I looked yeah. at different courses. I jumped on a course. I got my level two. I went on to get my level three and that would have been in 2018. 
Okay. So the, this was like a side hustle to your normal job. So you were going to work every... Yeah. That's right, side hustle. So I got, like I lots became, of people do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as you do. Um, so I became a personal trainer in uh, at the beginning of 2019. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at how I would actually do this coaching or training, possibly going to the gym or, or something like that. And something that really appealed to me was the whole concept of online training, because then you wouldn't be tied into a gym or a location. You'd be able to do this anywhere. So then I didn't have a clue. I had a bit of paper that said I could train, but I didn't have a clue. So then I enrolled on an online course. I found someone who actually coached coaches on how to do online training. So that took me about three months to get all my bits sorted out. How do you, um, what training app you do, what sort of program you put together, how you take a payment on the phone, the whole concept of online coaching. And by December 2019, I had my first client, and which was super exciting. So this was someone I'd actually worked with in the States all the way back to 2013. Okay. But you specialize in people who are over 40. That's right. I specialize in the over 40s. In fact, I like to think it's more over 50s. Most of my clients are in their 50s. It's probably three to one, that sort of ratio. And the reason for this, Michelle, What happens is most of us go through life worrying about family, worrying about the job. That takes up most of our life. And we get to our mid-40s. One day we look in the mirror and the best years have gone by. We are tired. We are overweight. We are demotivated. And and, uh, life has just taken over. And I just felt that as someone who was energetic, uh, passionate about what he does, I just felt it was a really good group to say, listen, you're only in your 40s and 50s. The best is yet to come. Let me show you how. And essentially, um, that's the group I coach. So um, how did you learn about what the over 40s needed to be able to to lose weight and change habits effectively? Okay, so I I looked at, I, I started, I suppose, with a few guinea pigs, the first four or five people that came with me. Yeah. Uh, to an extent, were my personal guinea pigs, the first few. Um, I was actually quite surprised of the results that I got with, with that sort of trial and error. I do recall that uh, my second client, uh, uh, Juan Antonio, his results were so good, he lost a whole 10 kilos in the 13 weeks. He was, someone who'd, he was someone who'd been going to the gym for the last couple of years and a sort of plateaued. So he was very, very keen. He was bashing the weight away, but he somehow... Yeah had stagnated on that sort of 98, 99 kilos, okay? And he he was okay, but he just wasn't where he wanted. So when I reached out to him in November, he said, look, not right now because it's too close to Christmas, blah, blah, blah. I'll see you in January. And he was fair to his Mm. word. In January, he jumped on and then he went to lose a whole 10 kilos. So is that what is that what you aim to try and get people to lose around 10 kilos in 13 weeks? Or it's not so much about the weight, it's more about... That's right. It's, so yeah. that's it. The people that come to me, in one word, that seems to be a nice... Some people will lose eight kilos, seven. Listen, I've had a couple. The last one that our coach lost 14 kilos. Amazing. I've seen the pictures, yeah. Yeah, it, it just depends on it depends on many factors. How committed you are, how easy you find it, how, what your age is, what your yeah. work levels are. There are many, many factors yeah. that are involved in this. But as a, any, it can be anything from seven to pick a number. It's not a magic sauce or magic pills. 
Um, yeah. I use basic, as you know, Michelle, the six pillars of health. So That's I can right. tell you right now what I do. It's how you, I mean, it's, uh, you've got the habits and routines, which you've alluded to before. Yeah. Then there's a sleep. Yeah. You've alluded to water. Then you do the exercise. There's yeah. nutrition and there's mindset. So those are the six pillars which you can actually see on my website. So I don't, I don't hide anything. It's all there. It's how you put it all together. So just going back to the previous question that you asked me about the, the 40s and 50s, when you get someone in their 40s and 50s that really wants to take their health and their fitness and their well-being to the next level, it's yeah. a really good committed group. I'm not saying that someone in their 30s can't do it, but imagine someone in their 20s or 30s. They've probably got more exciting stuff to think about. Yes. So that's why I find <laughs> someone in their 40s and particularly in their 50s, by this time they're really committed. I recently spoke to someone who's just joined this year who saw my, my work on LinkedIn and he decided to call me to, to get him on board and uh, and contact me to join. Bang yeah. on 50. And these people are very committed. It's a very good age. Um, the whole idea of the WhatsApp group, it gives a little bit of accountability to those that are in the program and it adds as a support mechanism to those that have left the program itself but have decided to stay on just to get the positivity and to get yeah. the encouragement and any other learning point because um, when it comes to learning, it, it's myself, I still read, um, I've become an avid reader as I've got older uh, because I believe that you can still keep on learning and growing so I can then provide a better service. It's as simple as that. It, it's uh, something that I do constantly. So are you enjoying being a fitness coach? Oh, is this, very, very much is this so. like, yes, really? Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> it's, and, uh, yeah. Do you, do you see yourself carrying on doing it for the next few years? Well, I, 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 I essentially, the whole idea really is with fitness TMB is the next phase in my life. I mean, if you think of the fact that I'm 55 now, my dad has been successfully working into his late seventies. I'd like wow. to think to myself, that I could have a good 20 years of doing something I really enjoy doing, obviously scale back as 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 younger coaches come in and so forth. Yeah. But this is something I, I can see myself doing for the next 20 years. Just to give your, your listeners a little bit of context, right? Yeah, yeah. I've coached from Mexico to the States, Mauritius, the UK, Spain, Finland, Holland. Okay. Amazing. These are the countries that I've been able to, and lately we had the, the lady from Australia there. Um, and uh, so it's in, the only challenge is just getting your time zone. So for me, it will be half past six in the morning or seven in the morning. And for her, it will be six o'clock in the afternoon. That's once yeah. you adjust the time zone, it's just, that's right. It, it's okay. fantastic. But just to, to finish off on, on fitness TMB, um, your advert is running throughout these talks. Um, there's one in each talk in the middle of it so people can listen to um, what you do and how they can get in touch with you. Um, what what message would you give any listener listening in who's thinking, wow, this is something that I could tap into, that's something that I would like to know more about? Okay. Um, the... Um the main point, I think, is many of us don't realize the potential we have inside. Uh, often, you're, you're, many of us are coasting through life and don't re realize that we can do so much more. And this is, I, I just want to make a quick comment on the mind and body connection. You think that your mind is literally three pounds of goo that we have between our ears, 
but the effect it has on our well-being, on our strength, our positivity is tremendous. Everything, yeah. Okay, just think that the brain itself uses 20% of the energy, but the brain only weighs 7% of the total body mass, okay? So my point is this, if you're thinking of really raising your game, becoming just fitter, stronger, healthier, then 2022 could be the year for you. And uh, and it's not about spending two hours in the gym. It's about having loads of different hacks and loads of different techniques. It can be as simple as going for a walk and optimizing on your sleep and your water, even something that I've discovered recently over the last few months, having cold showers. That all these different oh. hacks that I have developed um, and I've added to the program and they work really well to really take your fitness, your health and your well-being to the next level. And your mental health as well. Absolutely. Fitness yeah. TMB, the, the TMB in fitness TMB stands for thriving mind and body. And I'm a Excellent. great believer in that the mind is like a muscle. You need to work it too. Excellent. Well, thank you, Heck. It's been a real insight to listen to all you have to say. And um, I'm going to ask you two questions now. The first question is, if you had a song that has gone with you through life, something that when you felt down, you've listened to, or when you listen to it, like if it comes on the radio, it just makes you feel good. What would it be? <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Right now, my... Okay, so I'm... I've got an... Uh, I got an old song from Eric Clapton, You're yeah. Beautiful Tonight, which I've had throughout my whole life, okay? Even when I was a teenager, it even reminds me of the previous girlfriends. That's an old <laughs> song that I've had for years. It's a lovely song from Eric Clapton. Obviously, yeah. it shows my age. Yeah. However, yeah. the song that I currently have that makes me jump up and down and I'd, and I'd recommend it is Dance Monkey. I knew you were going to say I that. I absolutely love it. It's three and a half it. minutes. You whack it on, you jump to it. It's a perfect micro workout. It's the perfect workout for doing your press-ups. Three and a half minutes is tremendous. Three and a half minutes of press-ups, yeah. And jumping up wow. and down. Not, not, for, not for everyone, but hey, you can do it. You do it pretty well. Okay, and the last question, describe me in three words. Oh, crumbs. Uh, yeah. Three words. Yeah. Uh, bubbly, mm -hmm. energetic, and happy. Ah, oh, very good. That's it. We're done. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thanks ever so much for having me. We'll chat soon. You've been listening to On the Sofa with Rouge, a series of talks where I talk to friends and family about all the interesting things they've been getting up to. A massive shout out to Charlie Hurst, my sound engineer, who's done an incredible job of putting this podcast together. His website is soundunit.co.uk should you want to get in touch with him. And also a massive shout out to Beatrice Garcia, who's a very accomplished artist and who's beautifully designed the logo for this uh, icon for this podcast. And her website is Beatrice garcia.com thanks a lot for listening please get in touch rougejib at gmail.com if you want to let me know uh, what you thought of my podcast and uh, how i could improve and please 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 tune in because more podcasts are being dropped all the time <laughs>